Hey, ondas, primos y primas, and welcome back to my primos podcast. My name is Freddy, and with me tonight, as always, is your primo and mine, el chipume, el, what are you now? El siete, el sexagón. Say what's up, Walter. Uh, I would, no, we'll stick to, we'll stay with, we'll stick with chipume this time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, just chilling. Yeah, just excited. We have today, we're having a uh, autor, escritor, profesor, doctor, locutor, ¿qué más? <laughs> no vende paletas, <laughs> sí, también, porque, <laughs> porque la Pero clase ver, de ver. todo. Um, de todo. Yeah. Uh, so we got Frank, Frederick Aldama, Professor Latinx, or Latinx, right? Uh, welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, excited to have you. But, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Um, you know how it is. We, you know, the day, you know, we're the second we're in diapers, we're already multitasking. Like, you know, that's how it is in our community. So, you know, I, I could, it could have been that I became a, a, a contractor at one point. Serious, right? Just like probably you guys, right? I had so much experience yeah. building houses that could have gone in grad school or contractor. I'm not sure which one would have been more lucrative, especially in Austin right now, probably contract. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that here in a second. But pretty much remember, this show is a week to week podcast brought to you on any of your services free of charge. All it costs you, of course, is just spreading the word. Let everybody know where you can find us week to week at My Primo's Podcast on all our social media. And remember, Walter still has to figure out TikTok. I think, again, one day, maybe. Well, and, Even no, a Snapchat. Are we past that? I'm trying to figure out OnlyFans right now. So one step at a okay. time. <laughs> one social media. All right. All right. Well, I mean, you're trying to make money, right? Because you've been unemployed. Yeah, so yeah by I the way. How that, yeah. How's that been going, uh-huh. by the way? How's that been going? Oh, actually, coincidentally, because uh, that's one thing we're going to talk about. Uh, here polishing the old turtle resume. Uh, I actually just clicked submit like about 30, 40 minutes ago uh, <laughs> on a position at UT Austin of all places, uh, for, uh, con- uh, project manager co- for construction, uh, inspector number two, something like that. So I'm saying that because professor <laughs> Latinx here is also right. And it sounds you're moving like you're down moving down, down to here, Austin. Right? So what you need, a, you need an entrada. You need someone to put in a good word for you. Is oh that yeah. He, yeah. He looks like <laughs> a white enough man to put in a good word for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> be like, hey, what hey, what's up? There's this guy. No, but, uh, but anyway, it just clicked in my head too. Cause, uh, I, there, uh, my baby mama, uh, my partner, she also went to UT. Uh, she was in the urban planning, uh, department and graduated from there a couple of years ago. So she's, uh, working with the state right now here in Austin as well. So, all right. So we'll, we'll jump in there, but for people that don't know who you are, I mean, do you, I mean, we've always followed you in, in skulked around the web, seeing you on YouTube, seeing you all over the place. I mean, you just everything Walter said is true. Escritor, locutor, you know, you're you're podcasting, you're video casting, you're vlogging, you're you're writing, you're doing children's books, you're teaching classes, and I'm out of breath. So, Professor Latinx, tell everybody who you are. And uh, yeah, for sure, Walter, I got your back on that one. Um, so, <laughs> you know, let's let's take it back a little bit. I was, uh, you know, I, I'm one of those you know, pre kind of new, one of the first out, I don't know, first out of the gate, but I'm a, one of those like kind of crazy border crosser biography types. Cause my mom 
was is Guatemala, Guatemalan Irish from East LA. Wow. And when she was 18, she got on a bus to go what? to Guatemala City. Yeah. Yeah. So she hopped the bus, Guatemala City, never, never made it because she got off for, to transfer Mexico City and loved it. Loved it so much. She didn't get back on, got a job. Um, you know, she was te- like teaching. Her job was teaching English. Anyway, she and also at the she started doing things she always wanted to do. She went and did some art classes, things like that, and met my dad. And um, my dad's one of those gilangos who's like you know the kind of cucaracha who you can never like destroy. Always you know trying to you know figure it out, the hustle and everything. But he's he was marked by the by the big Tlaloco uh, massacre um, where oh. some of his friends were, were, were killed when the tanks came in and the, the soldiers and they surrounded all the students and the workers who were protesting. And so he became a kind of de- dedicated his life to activism. And so they, they had a family, but in the end, he didn't really have enough. He didn't, he didn't put the time in. He wasn't there for the family. So she put us all on the bus back to Califas and, um, we grew up over there, up near Sacramento, the woodland area, rural parts of kind of North Central Valley, and you know, go to the pulga and you know, mercados on the weekends. And I just remember, you know, getting my my luchador stuff, my masks, and all that. And then at the same time, also picking up uh, comics up at the local tienda at the at the corner there and the spin racks and we had yeah. the fantastic four and all that good stuff. And, you know, I'll be honest, like that was my, the comics, you know, this, this kind of, uh, you'll understand better, like why I'm so committed to pop culture and comics and Latinx, Latinx comics, uh, because they were my, my safe space. They were my literacy, my primary literacy text. Like I learned, you know, when I was in school, they told me not to speak the dirty Mexican and, you know, mm. we were punished for it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so. And what, you know, what we, year was it? What year was this? So around? early, this was around 74, 75. Um, so right when things like, you know, you could pick up, you know, Hulk, you know, um, and you could get d- Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. And, mm. you know, you could get all of the, um, you could get um, ec- the X-Men comics. And so like Professor X, right? Xavier and Iceman and Beast and all those um, were my kind of favorites and Ben Graham, you know, because uh, they're all kind of misfits. They didn't quite fit in. They were kind of trouble, a little bit troublemaker types, but they were also superheroes, man. They would save people and like, let me imagine my, myself beyond my kind of confines with, you know, my mom, single mom kind of raising us. And did you, um, mm -hmm. Did you, and I'm sorry to stop you, but I, I want to touch on it because people that know, and maybe, maybe if you don't know, I want to assume, you know, the mutants were always the euphemism used for racial inequality, right? That's what it was used for. They were always used for that. Did you at that age, and how old were you roughly, do you think? Were you so like, around five, I was around five, six, yeah. Did you see yeah. that connection between you and them? Like, damn, you know, I'm being I, ostracized I, yeah. and et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I don't know, man, I had the five, I had the six year old brain there working, but (laughs) there was something about them that, um, you know, when you don't, when you're, so, you know, we were in a, a, 
it was either redneck white or Latinx, right? That's kind of where, you know, rural California, that's what it's like, what it was. And so, you know, when you're told not to, basically, I was even told by a, a teacher when I said, no, I'm Mexican. She's like, no, you're not. You're because I'm like Aldama, right? And she's like, mm-hmm. no, you're not. You're from Spain. I'm like, I went home and I asked my mom. So my teacher told me I'm from Spain. She's like, what? <laughs> so you know, what you're told, you're told, and people are telling you, and you you can only fit in this way. So the comics, even though I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't reading these as like allegories of like yeah. the Latinx community and sort of status and documented undocumented and our brothers and sisters but i felt something there was a connection mm-hmm. beyond just the superhero the super power right there was the fact that they were you know pushed aside that society had marginalized them but that there was a safe space you know um that professor x had created the safe space for you know teens and and kids that you know were told they don't belong you know, it's 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 great that you think that because in a way, and I don't know, we can probably get to it how you have the moniker Professor Latinx. You know, because in a way, you have been credited with making safe spaces and Latino voices across a lot of campuses in the country. You know, I know right now you're in you're in Ohio, correct? And so, yep. you know, you're, you're credited with a lot of work there, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, you when people talk about individuals that are 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 want to say breaking barriers or making room or helping uplift our brothers and sisters you come up you're there in that yeah, voice. So I, I i tried to go through the list i'm like nah i'm gonna stop right here <laughs> i'm gonna just like i'm just, just i'm gonna look a little bit of his beginning so but i also just wanted to clarify i was um i i have had a, vi- a video of yours playing and the i guess the google translation or algorithm whatever like that kind of picks up on the audio and, and it said like um, uh, that your your grandfather married. No, your grandfather married a, 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 a Wadina from Watermelon. <laughs> oh, there you go. Google. Google's in control, everybody. Like, okay. Like, I got it. I got it. Okay. From Watermelon. Oh, okay. Watermelon. <laughs> like you married no, a, I, even, I even took a it, screenshot of it. Like, watch. I'm, I'm going to show it to you. Cause it was super funny. I'm like, cause I just cut it off for the, I cut off, cut it off the corner of my eye, and I thought it's a, right, I don't know if you can see it. Now you had to lift it up. There it is. Hold on. Go yeah, figure. Yeah, that's right awesome. Watermelon. <laughs> there it is, everybody. Thank you for the clarification. You're not a watermelon. Um, you're not a watermelon. But watermelon, which is great. I mean, we're from. Our I mean, we're from, we, are, we, are, we are. We are. We are majority. We're we neighbors. Water, right? But um, we are. We're neighbors. Guatemaltecos and Mexico también. I think that there's always been like the U.S. has always when we were growing up. At least with me, I remember my mom. Everybody saying. Because I'm light skinned you know. My primo makes fun of me about it, and at the time he's like, "Oh yeah, you're the underbelly well, of a great white shark." I, I don't know if that's because in El Salvador, por lo menos, we would, you know, let's see most chelis and we'd kind of make fun of uh, people that are like light skinned that way. Because the majority of people over there are obviously a little bit darker. So I don't, I don't know if that's something in Mexico feels from 
Mexican people. I know it's like, obviously they're, they're kind of more, you know, pretito and, you know, it's all this kind of different look, connotation that goes with it. Allá también, I mean, because in a lot of places we don't acknowledge Afro-Latinos too in El Salvador, all of Mexico, the Caribbean and all that. We kind of just, Black Lives Matter and we, for, and we forget that that includes them too, right? And us, so. It's cyclical, right? It hasn't, it, yeah. there's still a marginalized group. There's still someone that needs a safe, you know? We talked about in the past how everything, we need a space because everything's already a white space, you know? And the terminology doesn't isn't popular but that's that's what it is white spaces and we need to break that down and even back then in the 70s look for me i grew up in the 80s and 90s you know we're still dealing with the same issues mine was more so don't speak so much spanish because then you'll be a target you know that's what i was oh no 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 and just to echo exactly and that's why i asked you a professor about when it happened to you that they that that professor told you that Mm -hmm. if you can say that again uh, about not speaking Spanish. Yeah, the dirty Mexican, not to, you know, mm. and then yeah, and I was hit with, I was what, hit with the rule. What year, what year, was what a, year did that happen? 75, around 75, okay. 76. Yeah. So later on, when I was a little kid, I grew up in LA. My father purchased a house house in Rialto, which is about an hour, two hours outside of uh, Los Angeles, you know, east on the I-10. I grew up, I, I, I spent some time there before, got getting moved because i lived in El salvador for some time and i remember like i around the age age of seven eight i was out uh, out in the playground with uh, another you know friend of mine latino and we, we were just talking spanish in the monkey bars and stuff y después llegó un, un, un maestro, the one that was overlooking us he was an african-american teacher and he just looked at us and we were talking spanish said hey come here it's like don't be fucking spanish i'm like and it's like what and say like, yeah don't, don't i don't want you i don't want you to hear you talk spanish i'm like what and and i remember that very vividly and then boom but from there we got shipped to the salvador and i spoke spanish at the polos colo but pero <laughs> it's it's fucked up like even and that was in 98 mm-hmm. no that no that was in 94 94 95 that that happened so that was still you know we're still seeing that happen you know i might have not gotten get whooped with the ruler right but <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah the trauma dude happening. i mean yeah. i mean you were young going through that and then you know what did that spring upon you what did that i mean it's still embedded in you obviously yeah trauma. I, yeah for sure man you know so um it didn't it took me this is the crazy thing right because if you've got if you've got money your kid you get your kid into like bilingual you know, they're learning French or something like that, you know, from preschool on. And our public school system, we don't get back to languages until most in most places, high school, right? Which is yeah. like insane. Um, and that's if you're lucky, right? Because cuts and stuff in education. But I mentioned all that because for me, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't get back to it till college when wow. I actually t- had to formally relearn. Now we, we spoke at my, you know, at home. Um, but, you know, super informal. And um, it was, you know, it's definitely like a Spanglish, right? Yeah. And so, and then, so, but my, so this gets back to, um, to your questions, Primos, that about like, you know, the move and the things that I built here with laser, the Latinx space for enrichment research. And in a way it's all, you know, related because when, my mom uh, 
when I came home and I came home a lot, I was pretty upset, kind of not understanding. And she was really strong, like culture, you know, our identities and where we came from. She didn't, she wasn't a pushover. And so, but she didn't like what she saw. So she actually put herself through Sacramento State, got herself a, um, a degree in education, uh, focused on bilingual education. You know, I remember those days because I was, you know, Chavalito, like put in the daycare when she was like, you know, taking her classes and stuff. And, and then, um, and she went and dedicated her life to basically, you know, making sure that this wouldn't happen to as many kids as she could get, you know, into a classroom with. And, and, uh, but, you know, California, crazy California, you know, they have that where they pass these stupid, crazy laws just by getting a certain number of people off the street to sign, you know, petitions and all that stuff. So when we had the prop go through, that basically made it illegal, illegal um, to speak Spanish in the classrooms. Crazy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Crazy. Like you had to keep your doors open. And if, if, you know, there was someone walking up and down listening. (laughs) I didn't know about that. Yeah, it yeah. really like paints the brush the same thing with slavery. Remember, they weren't allowed to speak their language. They weren't allowed to sing their songs just so you can keep that control, you know? And that's literally what that, what that is. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, that all those anti-immigrant props, the Prop 187, the stuff that, you know. Because, I mean, it's it's interesting to say that, too, because mm-hmm. we hear about California being so progressive, but that is pretty recent. And, and, and even in today's age, it's like very superficial. Right. Let's be honest to to a, lot, a big extent. So that's I mean, at least for my for my age, it's very interesting to hear that. I just hear like my dad said, oh, I got, you know, when they did amnesty or in 80 something he got. That's how he was able to get, you know, pay, his process started to get paper. I don't know. But uh, you don't hear a lot mm-hmm. about that other stuff, you know. Well, yeah. You no, no, we always you know, you hear about Arizona, you hear about Texas and you hear, you know, mm-hmm. all that. But you're like, hold on. No, you know, Califas has, has you know, look at the history there and the persecution and. You know, all the kind of props that get passed. Hey, man, you know, it's it's not exactly the liberal hotbed that, you know, people think it's, it is. You it, know? So your mother going through this journey, you watching her and you remember this. Did that lead you on this career path? Yeah. So, you know, exactly going kind of jumping ahead um, and I'll I'll flash back in a second. But jumping ahead, you know something like laser here when i arrived in 2005 i was uh, had been teaching at cu boulder right there at the foothills of the rockies and that's a pwi right um so you know it's a primarily white institution yeah, yeah and um you know some latinx kids but not not very many and so i knew that the upper administration at cu wasn't gonna they didn't see my vision to really create a substantive outreach program for, you know, pipelines and recruitment and retention. So in any case, OSU came calling and I'm like, okay, well I'll jump ship, but I also want to make sure you guys give me the key to the kingdom. And one of the, one of the things I want is to have some kind of budget to grow this 
this uh, Latinx space for enrichment research. And they did. And, you know, about 10 years down the road already, you know, 13 different high schools, hubs all over the city, uh, undergrads and graduate students in those hubs every week working with the students, our Latinx students. Some of them are, you know, dominant Spanish, many bilingual. Some of them are dominant English, but, you know, we we worked it and we created these this crazy pipeline to OSU and the metrics like on our side were insane. Like, you know, we were getting Latinx students into OSU um, like no other program. And, you know, that, that was part of, part for that, for the school itself, for the, yeah. for the school, just as okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the crazy thing was when I arrived in 2005 and you talk, you know, I already, we had family members and, and, and friends out here already. Um, and I talked to them and they were like, OSU? No, that's, you know, I'm, that's not a possibility. I've never been told that I could go there, you know, and I'm like this great big institution in your backyard. And, and you've been told you this, this is not something for you. I'm like, we got to change that. And so it was really like, it started small laser started small. It was like me bus, you know, with a, a little minivan and parents like bringing um, a few students to campus. And then over the years, boom, 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 created the hub system, you know, where, and then, uh, every spring I brought, I, I have this thing called the Latinx Role Models Day, where we showcase what the students have been doing and also where they can meet faculty, be on campus for the day. Over 500 students every spring on campus. And wow. I'm telling you, like, it was like yeah, OSU, where you, we were working, you know, we've been working anywhere between three and 5% Latinx in a huge sea of whiteness like that day was like beyond belief you guys it was like you know and to see yourself to see that this is a place for you literally where you're walking around and you're being treated with with kindness with respect with the kind of generosity that you should be treated you know you mentioned the backyard i grew up in la i grew up 15 minutes from usc Right. Oh, but USC, yeah. if you think about the same thing, it's like it's in our neighborhood, pretty but yet penny, I could never penny. afford to go there. <laughs> yeah. You're, it's not for you because mm -hmm. and think about it. I went I was a, I was in, I'm a, I'm a, I went to film school as a vocation. USC has the like one of the best film programs in the country. And I got a, I got an internship because we had an outreach program called Docs Rocks and Docs Rocks led documentary films. Uh, documentary film creators and producers, etc., within the industry of documentary film, because that genre was kind of dying off, and they wanted to reinvigorate that. And they went to some of the schools and offered those services, but it wasn't the inner city schools that I grew up at. I had to ride, I had to drive a ride a bus about two hours every morning to go to San Pedro, California, which is right by the beach, predominantly white, and. That was a culture shock to me because I grew up in the neighborhood of like Latinx kids, Salvadoreño kids, Mexican kids, black kids. It was an, it was never an option for me to go to USC until I had to bust myself out. That Doc's Rock thing happened to happen to that school, not to Locke High School or Washington High School in the in their city. And even with that internship, you know, 
didn't like didn't, I couldn't get in because I couldn't afford it. But I'll give you this much. When I was able to walk on that campus, there is something that you feel when you're surrounded by by people that are, you know, you're like, wow, like you're so um what's the word I'm looking? You become gun shy, you become so intimidated because I don't see other Latinos running around there. You know, I don't I see jocks and I see a lot of predominantly Asian and white people running around it, but no one like me. So I feel like, yeah, they're right. It's not for me. So lasers is changing that. And I love that. Yeah. And and, yeah. and, the, and, and, and similar programs are also doing that all, all, all throughout the United States. It's just that somebody has to start them. Right. And in a lot of cases, you can't just sit there and wait for somebody to, you know, for the institution itself to because I remember going to Cal Poly. It was a predominantly Latino serving institutions so i had that benefit that i had a lot of latinos within my cohort but uh, i was at the time i was a part of a latino fraternity there uh, we started one and then um, we, we were trying to or we we're in the process of trying to get it started we eventually set it up and it still it still exists there uh, and at the time i remember we were trying to find out for things to do to kind of contribute you know and kind of put our name out there as a because we we're like uh, we call ourselves raza and, you know, Latinos and something like that. So then uh, we would try and set up uh, events for, you know, invite. We, I remember we invited, uh, the, uh, they invited this lady that uh, kind of taught us how to set up altares. And we'd go her, to her workshops and other, you know, other Mecha and other organizations on campus would collaborate with them. And, and then one time I, I went to the library and the university for being a Latino serving university got, I don't know how many millions of dollars and they would, the money would just sit there and do nothing because nobody would go and claim the money. And then I remember a library guy told me, well, you, you can ask for books and we'll buy them for you. And I said, okay, cool. Let's do it. Yeah. So by when? Oh, it's by such and such. And it's like, it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's something hidden. And then the money was getting used for something else, you know, like, like even when the institution is Latino serving, they get they get money for being Latino serving. So it's not like we're there taking, uh, como se dice, dinero that 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 mm -hmm. from other people. Right. I don't know, because a lot of times they, they mm -hmm. claim that we're taking opportunities away from other people. So I don't know. That's kind of like a flashback I had on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, again, it's like these kinds of, you know, the thing is, is you guys know this, that they can't. If you commit to doing something like this, you got to really commit to it, you know. And um, but they work if mm -hmm. if you're yeah they you do know, they do you know. So and I also didn't. It's funny because um, I wanted it to have the right kind of you know spirit because you know there's a, there there were some programs on campus at OSU, but you know I felt like they were like, you know, through education department that, and they were kind of like missionary type. We're going to go save the savages. Uh, and I'm like, no, 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 that's not, that's yeah, not that's, uh, the way that could do, you know, this is not, you gotta, you gotta be from this and know it and have your heart in it and, and everything else. And if you think that, you know, this, you, if you go into this thinking this is charity or like your missionary work, you know, I don't want anything to do with you, you know? Um, yeah. You guys know that though. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, 
yeah, it's a prevailing, people. prevailing feeling. I mean, you're told that since you're, you know, little and then moving up, moving, you know, disque moving up, you know, as you come, you know, as you become a professional, you know, so. because if you don't, if you don't have the skin in the game, you know, it, you end up losing interest. You end up not giving, you might really be excited at the beginning. And then eventually when stuff gets tough and you need to make the right calls, eh, well, it wasn't really my main focus right now. I'm going, I'm moving on to my next crusade, quote unquote, right? Absolutely. And you know what? You guys know this. Like what, you know, think back to some of the, you know, my biggest role model was my mom, of course, you know, even if I didn't acknowledge it at the time, but really, I mean, the whole, her, you know, you gave her a wall and she'd figure out how to get around it or over it, you know? Um, But we all, it's that, that person or those people that can share, that share a part of your story that you end up wanting to invest in, right? Not someone who's coming along trying to figure out who you are and doing like the kind of like the kind of, you know, ethnographic work, like, you know, who's the Latinx high schooler, but more like, yeah, yo, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's almost like, we don't even need to talk about it if you don't want to talk about it. Cause you know, I get it. I've been there. Let's move forward and get us to that, you know, next place, you know? So the, the, la- the laser set up, well, laser came, obviously laser came after your time there at OSU and you're developing your lab and kind of what, uh, what the lab, what is your lab? Cause you're bringing that okay. over to Austin and I'm curious to know what do you do? Because we had a discussion a few weeks back when we talk about, you know, Hey, what can, what, makes you an expert, right? Just in general. Someone says, hey, I'm an expert at baseball. I'm an expert at this thing. I'm an expert at comic books. So with everybody we've talked to and we we revolve in the same circles, you know, about comic book creators and artists, they always say, yeah, Frederick Aldama is an expert in in this type of conversation, Latinx characters and comic books and, and voices. So is your if I take your pop lab, can I put the certificate on my wall that I'm an expert after taking your class. What is the Pop Lab? Yes, uh, thanks. Um, so, okay, so one the so Laser was OSU and now 15 years kind of marker for Laser and you know just turning you know helping turn um, you know raise the brown tide basically. That's what I've been doing here now when. UT came up and UT's position is an endowed chair. So there's an en- money that I get on top of my salary that I can use for, well, legacy building. And when I found out that this was a possibility, I launched my Latinx Pop Lab podcast, which I've been doing now for, you know, during the pandemic, as you guys know. Yep. Um, I, this morning I was talking to uh, Jose Casas, also from, you know, Califas, who's had a really interesting journey, ended up at professor at University of Michigan in theater. And he does, he writes plays for youth, our youth, and, you know, our young folks. So anyway, the Latinx Pop Lab, you know, really, you know, 
talking to people that are in this these different spaces, the experts in these different sort of Latinx pop cultural mm-hmm. spaces, in anticipation of my arrival there with you guys in Texas. And that arrival is going to be the formal physical establishment of the Latinx pop lab. And we're going to have a space at, in Patton Hall on campus, state of the art, we're going to have 3D printers and, you know, we're going to be able to put, you know, do poster size prints, nice, you know, printing facility, but also, you know, these, this incubator for creative creation and knowledge making that will bring community, our, our, um, our high school kids, our Latinx kids, BIPOC kids in general, to the campus to you know work in the pop lab and also the hub system that I that I'm now really familiar with through the laser program that I built here in OSU where we'll have hubs in different high schools and so for instance uh, at LASA the Liberal Arts and Sciences Academy we're going to I'm going to be working there with Kevin Garcia um, and some of you may know him yeah, he's a Kevin writer Garcia. he's on the show yeah. uh, he's yeah. a kickstarter yeah. I'm waiting for my comic my man I'm excited for it. Yep. Me too. <laughs> looks yeah. awesome. But you know, yeah. Marvel writer, he teaches zine workshops, all that stuff. So connecting to him with him, um, really focusing in on the on the BIPOC communities in the high schools. But also I've already partnered in with Emmett Campos and he he's the director of Project Males. They're out of UT. He's already got some, you know, hubs going on in the city. I don't have to What's great about Austin is that I don't have to create the hubs from scratch. There's already, we've got our gente in the kind of trenches out there. They've created some really um, just incredible spaces. Humberto Perez and Carl Settles, the E4 Youth, you know, partnering with all these folks, partnering with the Latino Media Arts uh, and Studies on campus with Mary Beltran and Mirasol, um, Kate Sanchez, but why though? Um, yeah, a geek community. Yeah. Do you, you, yeah, yep, yeah. So bringing, you know, partnering that kind of as council members, I want to make sure Lee Francis four from the Indigicon out there in Albuquerque is also part of this. Um, really yeah, kind so it's of like growing. I mean, you're just plugging in more nodes to this system and just expanding it more and more. And Austin was on board with a gap. Yeah, here you go. Do it. We want you. You got it, man. And I'm just, I, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm that kind of bull in the pen right now. I'm like, come on, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> How soon can we expect you yeah. here in, in Texas with 105 degree heat, 115 degree heat? Yep. That's going to be a thing. It's a, yeah. It went from, uh, from what you call it? A polar blast or whatever. Snowmageddon yeah. in February. To, to hell. Sahara. To, <laughs> one of Dante's infernos and you know, falling so it it's, be, man. no no and, and it's and it's bad and it's because for example when my parents first first moved here um I I, I went to I, I went somewhere when I came back um andaban en la yarda limpiando lo que sea y, de, y, na, y cuando llegué mi mamá estaba vomitando y se sentía mal ¿por qué? porque oh, andaba anduvo afuera Haciendo demasiado cosas y no tomo agua, which, which is something they do in California, which has a dry heat here. You get you get that you get that really more, you know, a lot of humidity. So 
It's hot. I mean, you, it's it's, it's hot. hot. <laughs> it's Texas. And we're, we're glad you're coming down here, man. That means we can have more collaboration with yeah. you and everybody that's already in Austin. There's a huge community there as well. You know, we know the guys from Five Meets are down there. Oscar, is there, we know mm-hmm. he's a friend for the show. And he yeah. speaks as highly of you like crazy. You know, that's how we kind of turned on to you that way. And I'm, I'm pumped because if this is going to be a space, not just for the community and the schools, but it's a space for even your voice to make that Professor X, quote unquote, kind of safe space, you know, at the campus. Yeah, no, I can't wait. You know, the, you know, the difference between, so when, okay, so I'll just, I'll be like totally, you know, upfront on this OSU freaked out when I said, you know, I, I'm going to leave. And in fact, I didn't even tell them. Yeah, they got wind because Jeez, someone from Utah. Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> the I had the president of OSU calling me and, you know, basically like, no, well, you know, don't worry, we'll, we'll figure something out. We'll match, we'll match. And I said, I didn't, I look, I didn't bring it to you guys because my journey It wasn't about here, the money. <laughs> yeah, my journey here is over. Like I created something that is lasting, someone can step into and continue yes. and bring you know fresh vision yep. to and my journey is austin i think that whenever you look at at your journey right where you came from where you where you are and obviously we can't fit everything you are in one episode right let's just be real here because that's gonna take time and i'm sure we'll have more episodes but to look at your journey where you are now you're moving on to where you want to be i mean obviously anywhere that they can adapt to your needs cater to you and without any pedos that's that's where you want to be especially in the I mean, creative space i'm sure it's not like you're going to show up and it's going to be right a coast you're not going to coast in here okay but okay. you know you're, right. there's always you know something coming against the current you know so you know it's you know we were you know i'm glad you brought that up uh, walter too because you know one of the challenges that the three of us are going to have in a place you know, in these different spaces. And I know Primo Freddy, you've got Hector up there with the, you know, the yeah. Texas Latino yep. comics, the comic con and stuff. But yep. we, we just because there is this force, this huge force of gentrification that is pushing our communities into these extreme margins in these spaces. Oh, yeah. We're going to, our work is, isn't over. You know what I'm saying? Like people are like, oh, well, you're going to, you know, where basically majority Latinx, I mean, Texas, right? And I'm like, that doesn't mean our work is done. Like, no, 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 no. You know, it's, it's something I wanted to bring up, which touches right on that is that, you know, you would say that you were prepped for Austin in OSU because you were playing building Latinx spaces on a hard mode, you know, if you look at it that way. But when you go somewhere where there's nodes, but even in those nodes, in that community, that struggle has already been ongoing and it's embedded within, I hate to say behind enemy lines, but it, was, it feels as though, hey, listen, there's plenty of racism, there's plenty of, of gentrification that's causing people to be marginalized, plenty of that all over the place. Austin has a lot of diversity in it, positive and negative. And you walking into that realm, it's like it, it's harder to come and say, Walter, you're in build, you're in engineering, right? Isn't it harder to have to 
maybe you add on to something. Maybe it's not as stable at times or unless you have to start. Because when you're in OSU, you have an empty base. You set your base. Everything's built. How well, you every, want it. Yeah. Como dicen, like it's be- sometimes in, in, when you're hiring somebody, it's better to hire somebody and train them than it is to hire somebody. So that, that's like, that's what I was saying. There's, you're going to run into, you know, whatever you're going to run into. I'm not part of that world, but you know, you're going to have to just deal with it. I'm sure you've done it. So <laughs> this is not something new for you. So but it's, it's going to be a little bit of a like battle to challenge. It. So, yeah. Yeah. So I look at mm-hmm. it, you know, but people, I, I like the idea of you still keeping in mind and how lasers helped you set up those, those hubs for high schools and whatever Austin already has, because gentrification, man, we talk about it here and there. And then I have to explain to people because I have friends here that are white and they're telling me, well, that means they're making your neighborhood better. And I go, listen, that's the literal, that's the, that's literal, the literal definition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like <laughs> literal <laughs> translation. But what it's doing is raising rent. Yep. I, I used it's, to live uh, in a different part of town, very comfortable. Walter would visit me and go like, wow, like yeah. what's near here? Like, oh, I have a mall. Cuando, when I moved from California to, and I bunked with Stanley, he had a two bedroom apartment with a washer bedroom, dryer, two big living. Washer dryer. You, two bedroom, 2,400 two square feet. Huge cuanto, place. Cuanto pagaba de renta? $720 a month. And then later on, I found out it went up to 14 and then he had to downgrade and it was still even fifth. So I was like, oh, I mean, it's getting impossible. These neighborhoods are are being built up, but it's like we can't enjoy. It's It's like we have to keep we have to. How can I say this? Because it's happening right now, and like, like I, like I was telling you earlier, like it, it, it becomes a really ridiculous to where, like, right here where I live, if you step out of out onto the right street, I can see the, you know, the UT Tower at a certain angle, or, or you can see the Frost Building, and you can see all that. But then, as people like you come here with your energy and everything. And, 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 you know, the Latinx community is already here, but then all those opportunities, you're literally getting pushed away to the point where, you know, that shining city Not looks even further and further anymore. and further away. And now you're in Buda, Kyle, which is proximate, <laughs> proximate cities around here. You're Austin to, adjacent. Yeah, you know, Austin you're adjacent Austin. now. You're not in Austin anymore. And then even, which is like another word thing happening here. It's like population is shooting up here in Austin. And, and most demographics, but in the black demographic, it's actually shooting down. So it's like, how, do, how does that work? You know, so it's it's and, and you know what it is, gentrification. Right. So uh, it's it's happening. It's coming in. And, and like I like I was telling you earlier, 20 minutes from here, I'm going to have the Gigafactory, the Tesla, the new one. Uh, Samsung is, is is asking for a shitload of tax uh, tax incentives to come over here. You have Apple. Uh, they're building a stadium. So, and in the next couple me, of years, it's going to be a battle to see how equitable, how equitable you can keep this place. You know, uh, let me ask you something here on the, on the creative front. Right. So we understand like gentrification in general. It's, it, we, it's, I mean, the word itself has, has been morphed. Right. I mean, cause the literal word has now morphed into something completely different. It's now a bad word in some, in some senses, if you think about it, you know, and I think that, if the community itself starts standing firm, we can have some 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 ground, some space. But the problem is, 
the folks in charge, money, money, money drives well, everything. Because I mean, there, there are people putting in work. For example, there's a community up here on the north, a little bit on the north side, close to UT called Mueller. And it's a really beautiful development, brand new houses. And when they did that development, they kind of require them to have certain units uh, that are affordable. But when they say affordable, they say affordable for me that I have a degree and went to school and I'm barely getting up there to the 60, 70,000 mark, you know, like that's what they mean by affordable. And it's like, no, that's not affordable. motherfucker. No, we're yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. So it's, I don't know. It's a lot of like, there's people in the fight, like uh, out, out here in, in, in Austin, there's a lot of people. You know, when fight, I was, but. when I was primos, when I was out there, um, when was it January or something? And I, I visited even um, that McCallum high school right there near my, where I'm going to be living. And it's, you know what I was, I spent a little time there and I realized that, you know, we have, there's all this push out, but at the same time, we still have our communities in those schools. And what we need to do is create um, opportunities for, you know, for them to learn from people like you two, uh, how to become, you know, journalists uh, and, you know, reporters, um, critical on the kind of fly thinkers uh, creators, creatives, uh, film, you know, film critique, criticism, you know, Latinx Spaces, the magazine, Aaron Jimenez is going gonna, is gonna to be a big partner with me. And part of it is internships and training and not just hubs for like higher education access. That's, gonna, that's, that's definitely there. It, but now I want that to be in the background and I want I want those Latinx and BIPOC kids at a place like McCallum that are feeling less and less like that's a space for them because of gentrification. I want them to see and know and feel and be a part of something that's constantly reminding them that they matter. Not just not just the taquerias on the corner that that'll that they Dude, still, you know what? they want <laughs> that they still I want. Have, there. <laughs> um, no, of course. But here's the thing. Here's yeah. one thing that I look at. I don't. And maybe we're, we'll go on that conversation here when it comes to the creative space or the thing that em, can embodies them or they see themselves in. Univision and Telemundo do not represent me, okay, at all. Let's just be real for a second because. The culture behind is misogynistic. The creative seems stunted and like so behind the times. And they're catering to my parents. Okay. Always. Nothing changes. Right. Jorge Ramos had to leave and go somewhere else to try to make something happen. You know what I mean? So do you think that there needs to be something created? And I don't know if it's just something there in town or just in general, like the, like a co-op, a uh, uh, what would make it like? I don't want to use the word cartel, if you would, of creators, uh, a collection of creators. Okay, let's use it. That, they're, they're using it to define us in other ways. Use it, cartel. Like. Let's flip it, right? Cartel <laughs> of Latinx creators, uh-huh. be it within film, like a production companies or project companies to come in and go, This is us. This is what we do. Hey, 15 year old. Yeah, I got stuff that represents you right here. And that, and that's, do you think that's where we need to go? That's what Latinx Pop Lab is all about, man. And so, yeah, 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 yeah. And guess what? Like, I mean, so we already, I already have, um, you know, okay. So Jose Mori, who's known as Dr. Intergalactic, and he's, he runs this thing called Ad Astra Media. 
and he's on board. And I mentioned him because he's a powerhouse behind edutainment for, you know, Latinx, Latinxies, you know, Equis kids and learning how to make documentary to be like in the sciences field, stuff like that. But we also have Latinx spaces. We got, but why though? We got, we got Hector, we got you guys, we got, you know, um, other folks from outside like Ben uh, Lopez and Nalip, the National Association of Latino Independent Producers on board. We got, um, we got our black brothers and sisters in this space for, you know, us as well. Like yeah. John Jennings, Med Megascope. We got all sorts of crazy stuff. And I mention all this because I want, the idea is to set a theme for our undergrads, grads, and our um, high school kids, the beginning of the academic year, and they're gonna start projects. And it could be, like you said, any kind of creative critical project. And then they're gonna present it in the spring every year. We're gonna have a three-day blowout, bringing you guys in, you know, doing workshops and panels bringing in folks from, you know, around the country, BIPOC creatives that are like industry movers that have, but also who have their heart in the right Latinx place. Latinx PopCon. Might as well, man. Latinx yep. PopCon. Make it happen. Yep. You have SoulCon, right? And you have yep. a hand there. You have Latinx yep. PopCon. We have Mexican American. Uh-huh. And it's very good because at the end of the day, you're building uh, 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 somebody's confidence, man. That's how the way I look at it. Because you're going to college, you move on, you move on, and you do it with the with the least amount of confidence in the fucking world. And then you start building yourself up. And then you go, we've talked about this before, code switching and 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 imposter syndrome, which you kind of have to nip at the bud before it even, you know, and you build people that are, you know, know their shit, know where they're coming from, know where they want to go. It's not guaranteed, but you know, you're you're going what, in with the tool with the tools you need, what, right? At least. <laughs> It's what Professor Professor Latinx yeah. is saying. Like Professor X in the yeah. comics earlier is like he makes yeah. making a space for all these kids, for all the other creatives in general. And the fact that the community, the creative community, can come in because from the creative comes the critical critique. From the creative comes, uh, you know, you never know, man. From the creative comes the political aspect of it because everything's political, I'm right? Here. Every song, I'm every here. comic, yeah. every everything we write, everything's political, and that's how we get the people in office we need. Let the Latino girl at school go up. And you know what? That comic book character, you know, empowered me to go become, you know, the mayor. You never know. It, it, but I'm excited that this yeah. is why you're coming down. And this is huge. This is bigger than biggest ship. This should be bigger news. Like we should we should do something else. Well, like let's not, let, let, not, I mean, at the same time, if you make it, some other people, I don't know. Let, let, you know, let let him do what he needs to do, because a lot of stuff, yeah, a lot yeah, of times yeah. it's I like excited. Like a lot of times it's like I'll make fun of Aided, you know, my partner, she'll, she'll be carrying some nice, like, I don't know, stuff she brought from Mexico. I'm like, don't let, don't let white people look at that. That's cute. They're going to want to start selling it themselves. Like, it's like, yeah. no, like let, let people, you know, like let him. But do I mean, with himself. enough people, <laughs> with enough people with, to have experience when mm -hmm. it comes to the paperwork, the money, the control, yeah, etc. You know, I'm sure we're not going to put our raza, our people in a, in a space where they feel like, I have to go with these guys. No, you can come here. This is safe. We can put the people with you to help you. Like you said, your mentor, someone that works in that field of, of production, they can come in and go, you know what? 
we can pitch this to somebody else. There is a lot brewing, a lot brewing. I like it. You know, we're going to have a big uh, Latinx Spaces is going to do a a big feature on on this, hopefully maybe dropping this week or next. So I'll let you guys know. But NBC, um, Arturo Conde is going to run a big piece for NBC um, when I'm there in the fall. And um, he wants to he wants to give it some, you know, a big splash. So, you know, I think I think once. So, like you said, the cartel, once all the players are around the table, there's no stopping us. That's good. I love it. I mean, that's it. You said it once we're all there because we've been privy to conversations. Your creators say, man, like. I can't get here. I can't get my books here. I can't get anybody to read this here. Or it goes in a drawer somewhere. I've sold essays. I just go in a drawer. And I'm like, man, I wish it would have been printed online at least, you know, get some credit for it. But we don't even get credit. You know, so this is going to be something exciting. I'm really pumped for it. And, you know, I know we'll have you on more and more because obviously you'll be here in Austin or in Austin, pardon. I'm up here. I think I'm in Austin already. <laughs> but you know, hey man we're only like it's only if it's nothing hours. a few hours away three it's hours. nothing three hours away, three hours away. Yeah. but i want to move on because i have um some some questions for you not questions but just quick topics that you've you've brought up you know on your post online and walter as well has brought up you know you mentioned on one of your posts regarding these concerns with these uh the cancel culture you know how things have been coming up regarding pepe le pew speedy gonzalez like all these all these things and how you back the fact that, you know what, we can't just erase these things. We have to keep them around because that's how we educate and how we move forward. Because I, I'm privy to the fact that I explained to my son what the crows represent in Dumbo and how this character was depicted and why my son can make the connection and go, OK, I understand why. But if it's just says Dumbo's gone, he, he doesn't he if an eight year old right now wants to watch Dumbo. He only has the one with uh, all the white people in it. All right. And then no Peter Pan because of how they represented the Native Americans. And you're 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 right. I'm with you. I want to touch on that cancel culture, especially within race and, and, and people. Let's start there. What are your thoughts? Man, I mean, you kind of touched on a bunch of that already in that piece that I did for Yahoo uh, Entertainment. But. I mean, you know, my my kind of phrase there, my coin of phrase, turn of turn of phrase was, uh, you know, educate, don't obliterate. And, you know, if we don't if we don't know where we've come from and what's happened and and some of that's not as nasty, bad. It's like it's it's like bloody violent and genocidal and cultural cidal. You know, it's like, you know, but we need. We need to be able to, like with our kids, with um, future gens, we need to be able to look at that critically so that, you know, today and tomorrow, we don't make the same mistakes. Um, That's one thing. So educate, don't obliterate, you know, just, you know, take that mantra with you wherever. You know, there was, as you guys know, there was a moment when we were like here in Columbus, pull down the the statue, you know, pull it Mm -hmm. down. And I'm like, hold on, wait, you know, do that. What is it? 15 seconds, breathe, you know, when you're, (laughs) you know, you respond to things. And is there, think, let's think this through a second here, because that's a slippery slope. You start, you, who is deciding 
Who are you giving the power to decide what stays and what goes? You know, you know, that's what we call censorship. That's what we call culture side. That's what we call. No, let's do this. Let's mobilize to put pressure on the city to pay an indigenous sculptor to do something kick ass that goes right next to this skanky ass, nasty ass Columbus, <laughs> you know, yeah. thing, and put a plaque up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you walk up to that now with your kid, you can be like, you know what? Read, the, read that with your kid. Talk about what Columbus did. Talk about the smallpox that was brought from Europe and, you know, and murder, you know, end up obliterating, you know, but don't, I do. I'll, I'll say none. this. I'll, I'll, I do like the energy about bringing the motherfucking statue down. That's a, that feels good. I like that. I like you know, that energy. I, I, I like, I like sustain, that energy. But, you know, yeah. But yeah, it's not but sustainable. Think, it's not sustainable yeah, like in yeah. the long run, you know? And, and, All they're going to do is, like, like say, yeah. they're rioting. They're just destroying property. And then when it comes to money, right? They, oh, so much money's lost. Uh, these guys are to blame. Go and whatever. I mean, they're the enemy. We're 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 a terrorist now. They even yeah. did that in in Europe, right? They did that in I don't know if it was Amsterdam or something. I forget. And they did that in Europe. They brought a statue down in the fucking river, man. Like I love that energy because you know, growing up with Raging the Machine and just kind of every Columbus Columbus Day in El Salvador and uh, El Colón tienen a, a Columbus. You know, it's like yeah. and it's like if eh, you know, it kind of to me it felt like a sweet moment. But I do get. What you're saying, it's like you gonna you get, you rip it out, you get rid of it, and then what do you do? And it's also an edu- an, edu- an opportunity to educate somebody, you know, not not yourself. Because I will say this: not that I know everything, but in a lot of senses, it's like I'm jaded to a lot of a lot of topics. Like, well, yeah, I knew that already, but you know, people that are 10, 5, 10 years younger than me, it's like no, they they don't, you know, like to them, it's like what happened in California, you know, like so it's a good up learning opportunity to just, you know, and not just throw it away and, 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 Oh, it'll be like, it'll be like only eighties kids remember the Columbus statue because yeah. it won't be there anymore. And, and, yeah. and the one thing I do agree on that, that, you know, we'll see how, it, we'll see what this movement turns into, but just kind of ripping everything out and, and doing that, that type of thing. It's like, um, is the change just going to be superficial? Because that's what it feels like right now. You have all these politicians like, ah, blah, 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 blah. and then it this progressive aura that you feel from everybody. And it's like, uh, wait. And when they go in the back room doing the back deals, like nothing fucking happens. Nothing fucking yeah. happens, you know? Yeah, well, so I think you're right. you have to be careful. You have to be careful with those very powerful images that make you feel like change happened. Like even another thing, like I got goosebumps when AMLO took, took the, you know, was inaugurated in Mexico. This who had, you know, indigenous people on stage, even doing the whole shaman thing. And I don't know too much about, about that, but it's like, gave me goosebumps. It's like, wow, this is, feels like change coming, but you know, it takes time. That. You know, we're still here. We're still kind of, you know, they're still fighting. So we have to be careful with that. You know, Primos, you know, one of the things that I mentioned, too, in that piece is, um, look, it's like you were just saying, Walter, if we become so focused on canceling, obliterating, and our energies are going in that direction, instead of creating 
and educating. Now, you know, some people be like, well, why are we doing all that? You know what? We want to make a better place for our kids tomorrow. That's what we do. But let me yeah. tell you, like, let's get, let's mobilize and use that energy to look at real systemic inequalities. Why is it that we have a push out and lockout system for our, our kids of color, our youth, and they aren't getting into those higher ed spaces. They aren't getting into those writers rooms to make the TV shows that we want to see, that we want to engage with. They're not in those spaces to, to create sculptures, to be monuments in these big cities, right? Acknowledging our presence and our history and our active trans positive transformation of this country into the sort of place that it is today. You know, we, we need to keep our eyes on the prize. And if we get distracted by these, the kind of these, these things of like you were saying, Walter, like, yeah, I love the feeling of the toppling, you know, of the statue, but like, hold on, maybe our energies, that same energy and, and passion should be, mobilizing together brown black indigenous asian together to address the systemic racism sexism and and socioeconomic classism in this country and like you know start making those pathways for our our kids to be in these yeah. spaces you know what i mean and so when I, I, in that article, I talk about getting Latinx, BIPOC creators, creatives into the writer's rooms, into the director's spots, you know, behind and in front of the cameras, telling our stories. You know, for me, that's where I want to put my energy. That's where I want to put my, my passion, my, my, you know, I have 24 hours in the day. I've got family. I've got my teaching and my writing of books. I want my my labor, my, my passion and my brain to be used to kind of clear those spaces for new gens. That's, I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I mean, it's round of applause, honestly, that, that passion, like you said, that energy, because <clears throat> you're right. For some people, destroying the statue was it. They've hit their pinnacle. They got it. They go home and they live their happy lives. They'll never look back again. You know, but when you start looking at addressing the issue, not the item, right? Not the person, yeah. the actual issue. That's where it becomes an actual journey. You're actually a fight, a war, pardon, that you need to muscle through, get through, make it everlasting. You know, that's why things like the Museum of Tolerance exist, right? Like, why is that even there if, if it doesn't mean anything? I mean, you know, like now you mentioned that, like, I remember I remember one time um, we I, I drove from here from Texas all the way to Michigan and on the way up there. Uh, and it was recently during COVID, like they were going to fly me out. But I said, you know what? Let me drive just to, you know, just in case I'd rather just be in my little bubble. Um, and I even took, you know, I there and the baby and we stopped by Little Rock. Uh, the capital there and they have this as soon as we got off they have this big fucking statue and it's like confederate and blah blah and it's i'm reading it i'm standing right there reading it and i'm like god damn like it's like i want it's i i had that like let me go get and let me go get el gato de la troca and, <laughs> and tip it, it over and try to tip it over right 
you know, but then you walk a little bit down and then boom, they have the little rock 12, you know, and, and, and their story and how, you know, the whole reintegration of schools and all that. And it's like, I stood there and read each one of their plaques and what they did and what they ended up doing. And it was beautiful. And it's right there, you know, and, 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 um, and at the same time, yeah. And at the same time in front of the, 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 the Capitol empty, right. Cause this is during COVID and we're still in COVID by the way. Um, there's a group of uh, of uh, there was a group of uh, a group of dancers there, African American, and they were like in full get up and their their traditional costumes or I don't want to call them costumes like whatever it is I'm, I'm dress, not apt to dress the traditional dress and their and their kids were there and they were filming it and they were like getting down just dancing beautiful like. And I, we stopped there and let, I let my daughter look at it. And it's like, cool, that looks dope, you know? And it's like, and it's like, you know, there's change happening for sure. We can't just it say is, that but it's all bad, you know? You also, I don't know if you think, if you thought about this though, but if something gets canceled or someone gets canceled, there's another group that will accept them, that will give them that power too. También, and then también. you look at, they're going to have their, their sect, if you would, of people that will rise them up, push them up or that ideal up because everyone else is against them. They're going to put a stance just because they want to be the opposite. Then you also have the fear of if you, re- if you got rid of this, what it replaces that, you know, cause then where, like you said, where's your energy going to go now? What did the statue is destroyed? Now what we're happy. The world's a better place. What's yeah. going to come in now. And that's where picking the right I guess the the issue is not the the problem is not the statue. It's the issue that it represents, and the fact that there has to be very creative solutions to it. And art and, and the creative is yeah. going to be the way to do it. Yeah, and we can do it and still do it, like in rocking out to Bulls on Parade, you know, and burning some stuff up. And because <laughs> I, I think we need we need all <laughs> that need energy. To break stuff? You no, need no, to check it out. No, no, because I um another example here in Austin, here where I live, we went down to the school that used to be. Uh, that they bought out because it was it was built within the Onion Creek, which is some home that the city bought out because they built him in an area que se inundaba, verdad? fuimos and they did this whole you know um, town hall thing and whatever. And I was there like listening patiently, and they were talking about some engineering terms. I'm like, okay, cool. I know what that means. I know what that means. And, I, and there was all types of Latinos there. There was an old school guy, like every complaining the whole time like no but this no but this and then the other person is like no patiently and and we were and and we're like god damn but that guy won't shut up and it's like he doesn't let them say anything and we can't move forward if it's just complaining but i was like we need all that energy we need the person that's always pointing the finger and kind of keeping them on their toes but then we other need the other person out there actually finding solutions trying to get the problem solved and getting things going and at the end of the day, it's like it can be just cleaning the gutters so that the water doesn't build up there, you know. And and then the other person saying, no, it's much more than that. It's money not being allocated here. And it's there's a little bit of truth in all that. Um, um, but like it, it can't just be all just toppling statues. That's not just, you know, it can't just be all it, you know. You know, one thing that we um, need to remind ourselves always is and this gets back to Primo Freddy here, but like the whole thing with um, empathy and yeah. and and breathing with our people, and you know, 
taking that 15 seconds because cancel, look, our reptilian brain, the oldest part of our brain, you know, fear, anger, all of those are reptilian kind of, you know, reflex responses. But we also have this frontal cortex, you know, and yeah. And, you know, I, how many times I'm asking both of you, have you been in a situation where it's worked out where you're, it's reptilian response. And oh, you're no. Just like, yeah. uh, have you ever, have you ever seen the Never. Dave, Dave Chappelle when keeping real goes wrong? That's all I got to say. Like <laughs> you have to pick your battles. You can't just, you can't just burn everything down because you're burning your own house down too. But don't you, don't, I think it goes back to the, I don't know, maybe I'm just speaking. I don't know. I mean, you would be the expert. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it goes back to just the fact that how we were raised and how the, a lot of the, the male figures in our time, those very machista, very quick to anger, very quick to act. Yeah. Um, had, was machete a survive machete in hand. But a lot of the times in their cases, it did work out. And that's why they're so aferrados to that belief, because they did grab their grab their machete attacked first and survived and are here now because they did or they but did just go against but that. just surviving oh, that's the thing. But just, just surviving. surviving just surviving and that's the problem you're not thriving you're not thriving we're not thriving no and that's the issue right do you feel professor that that that, that has just been inbred in us that we're just so quick to react because that survival is all we've been taught you know that's the book that I just published uh, with my my uh, <clears throat> it's called uh, Decolonizing Latinx Latinx Masculinities mm, and um, our compa here Raul Gonzalez the third did the cover for us mm-hmm. and you know part of this is doing the kind of deep work we're talking we were talking about systemic change systemic change also though turning inside inward and being like am i gonna follow what my dad does and did or am Mm -hmm. i gonna unlearn habits and behaviors that he learned and repeated from his father and I think the three of us are in a space now where we can use our prefrontal cortex and be conscious of and select in those incredible mm-hmm. traits of our, you know, our fathers, but also select out. And part of that is we need to, in our communities, in our families, we need to unlearn the colonizing the colonizers ways language. of language and ways that mm-hmm. it, it kind of defining worth and all that trained us to behave and act mm-hmm. and from this part you know the old part and no we we can breathe and bring calm and pause and look and assess and open our hearts 
in ways that, you know, our fathers couldn't. You're right. And that's something that hits home for us, especially as we're in that, that range where it was, I can, I can probably count on my hand the amount of times my father ever hugged me or told me he loved me while I was in my teens. Right. I can tell you a lot. I can, I can lose count how many times he threatened me, threw me against the wall and tried to tell me to be a man. (laughs) <laughs> you know uh, but did it work did it work <laughs> look at look at me now i'm doing this uh-huh. um <clears throat> because apparently like for example my son my son's 11 years old and we talked about this on a previous episode where i tell i told walter like hey your his father was kind enough to show me how to do some mechanical work on the vehicle right i'm just not of that of that ilk and i told him you know as a father i do get a little bit of a worry and then that survival, like I said, that reptilian side of the brain kicks in about, am I teaching my son the appropriate things to survive? But Walter comes back and, and, and what did you say? What, what am I doing with, with, with my son that's commendable? Because I didn't see that. Oh, I yeah. saw that like, what I'm lacking. Yeah, that's the one thing I would say about your son. Like, he's very emotionally, like, like at that age, I wasn't asking nobody about none of that. Like, he's like very... And it feels like he's very in tune with people's emotions and how they're doing. And he asks, hey, como estas? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Así bien bonito, pues, you know? And, 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 and I told that to my parents because my parents have met him more now that they're here. And it's like, ese se mira bien maleta, <laughs> which means, like, he's very awkward. He doesn't, you know, what to do. It's like, on the other hand, I have another little cousin that will pick up a machete and start you know, cutting wood or, but then they have that very, you know, they, you know, very, but they, but they feel, you know, that's yeah. what the professor's saying yeah. that your parents feel that kid that can grab the machete and go run through the jungle and kill something. Exactly. He's better off than my kid. That's which more emotionally stable. Case, which is not the case, but at the same time, there's nothing, but at the same time, your kid was here. We took him and Papa le enseñó a pescar un poquito, you know, which is good, you know, learn how to fish. That's therapeutic sometimes, you know, and so it's like a, it's like my dad says all the time when I was young, like, aprendan lo bueno de mí, no lo malo. We're trying to figure that out, homie, right now. Like, we're trying to figure right out. Like, mm. he, he left I, I, it up to me at 15, and I'm still trying to figure it out. So, <laughs> you know, it's uh-huh. funny. Um, it reminds me of a moment um, in, when I was lecturing this last fall, and and it's come up a couple times, but, you know, here I, I'm in a, you know, a lot of kids in front of me, a lot of undergrads, and, you know, someone brings up, um, you know, Cause I always open with like, what's on your mind is what's going on in the news, you know, kind of thing. And then we get into it for, you know, as a kind of way to get into class and get our brains going and, you know, uh, the me too stuff, the misogyny yeah. and kind of racism that's built in and through that. And, you know, I, I, instead of turning to the women, I turned to the, to the men in the classroom. And I'm like, you know, the women shouldn't have to be educating you on this topic. I want to, I want to hear from you, like, you know, what, in terms of this kind of behavior, action, you know, kind of treatment of women as objects, et cetera. And, you know, I want you to, to sort of do some deep kind of soul search on this and, and be honest and t- tell me what, you know, where you're at on this. And, 
part of it is going back to your son, you know, raising, raising our boys to be in tune and to, to not even think twice about how they're treating others, you know, and especially girls and women, because a lot of the stuff that we're reading in the paper and the way kind of misogyny and racism kind of intertwine, yeah. that all, you guys know this better than anybody, that all starts at home, you know, that all starts at home. And yes, it does. Yes, it does. And, it's uh, a... You know, mm-hmm. No, 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 and, and and I apologize, but yeah, you you hit it right on the head, right? It's like it starts at home. Us, you know, we we have children. You know, you have you guys have daughters. I have a son. You know, and the conversations have to happen regarding that. You know, and my son's eleven. He's right at that age where those things, boyfriend girlfriend conversations, and you know how girls are are wanting to be treated or should be treated, but then we come into their heads. They're told you know, one way is to how they're supposed to act because we go back to the conversations about what they're Mm -hmm. watching, what they're reading, what they're seeing. Right. And I think that not just how many times haven't, like you said, if we didn't acknowledge our parents at that point for the good stuff they taught us, we don't, you don't really think about it at that moment, 11 years old. Oh yeah. My dad told me that that's how I'm supposed to act. And most of the time, some YouTuber he's watching is probably giving us some advice and I got to try to rewash his brain and that's where I go back to the creative spaces, right? Like, that's why I'm podcasting, man. you know, whenever you have a video blog, whatever, these type of options, we need to put them in front of these kids so they can feel like, you know what? Yeah, mm-hmm. I can learn to play the flute and yeah. learn how to draw. That's what yeah. my son wants to do. I even said, hey, you know, I know how to play guitar. I can mm-hmm. teach you how to play guitar. He's like, nah. no, I, <laughs> I want to learn how to play the flute. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. You know, and we support that. And that's what the, needs to happen in general. Yeah, yeah. Not 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 come by the flute, you know, not not have yeah. that energy, mm-hmm. you know, get rid yeah, of it. Yeah, but then so. it's still in the back of my mind, you know, and it burns a little bit. <laughs> it does. The no, flute. I, hey, I'm like, the uh-huh. I'm like, really? I can teach you bass, guitar, drums, trumpet. I want the flute. Yeah, I don't want to beat stuff up, Dad. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want to just. And he enjoys. <laughs> he's a different person than I am. And I'm a I will say, person than my I will father. say this though. I will say this though. Having a daughter now, you know, seeing kids or kids like his that are going to be part of her world makes me feel a little bit better about her growing up. You know, because mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the end of the day, I'm not going to be there to defend her for most of her life, mm-hmm. to be honest. Right. If you think about it, our parents are not here to defend us for most of our lives. So, hey, you're on your own most of your mm-hmm. life. You, hopefully, let me ask you, you, know? you, you you both have daughters and professor, your daughter's a teenager, you know, and Walters has good friends. I have daughters around that age, a little older as well. And he even asked them for advice, you know. But I, I look at some of the the daughters in our family, for example. OK. And how they're being raised even at the current generation, if we will. Okay. That's coming up. You know, the way that they're being treated is still so archaic. It's still so old, even though we're all in a, and I I don't want to label it this way that we're quote unquote woke. Right. Why, why, why is it? Okay. We're focusing on the boys like we talked about, because that's our direct issue. What is the young girl nowadays being taught? 
that needs to be taught appropriately. What have you seen or in your personal, if you're comfortable sharing, what, what are those conversations like? Man, we're, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like, and with the, di- and, and with the diversity and with of, that, of opinions we have here. <laughs> and with that, no, uh, well, you know what? I, I'll, I'll take that as an as a yeah. open question as a, for, for next time. Because I think it's a topic that obviously maybe a three men shouldn't be having, but yeah. we, we can definitely keep it open, see if it's something to discuss. But, uh, Professor, I want to just I want to just thank you. I mean, I've had a blast talking to you. I feel like, you know, this is going to be a lot of fun, especially when you come on down to Texas so we can really get together on that pop lab. I'm excited. I'll, I'll sign me up for Latinx pop con. I'm ready. You know, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready. I'm ready for our cartel. Let's get a, let's, I yeah. got the table. I've already got the table picked out for us. Oh, awesome, man. I'm excited. I want to wear a nice suit for that one. I'm not, not a geek t-shirt, but speak, let's geek out here at the end. Cause you know, we're all, we're all geek regarding you. How do you, how do you not talk about fandom when we really, this all we were revolving around in pop culture. I'm going to ask this question, but just so we can close it out. Something a little, little fun. Did you guys watch the Snyder cut? Did you guys watch this? Yet? I'm, I'm watching it right now. Actually, when <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm starting to watch it. Four hours, so I'm gonna think I'm gonna knock it out the rest of the day. But I will say this: I love MC, the MC, the the the, the MCU? you know MCU universe, and and it's very funny and you know family oriented. But I am like you know like this whole dark side. I really enjoy that too. You know so. I will say that. All right, let me give you let me give you my two two second elevator pitch like um, impression. And Walter, I don't want to ruin it for you, but and this won't <laughs> ruin it for you. But um, yeah, it's four hours long. It gives okay the pros just off the top of my head. Cyborg gets more s- screen time. I love that. And you know what? I like that they build out some story between him, you know, and his dad. That yeah. I think is really really cool. Um, Wonder Woman. You know, and I've taught I taught Justice League, the Joss Whedon version, and the time the amount of times Whedon's camera optic is literally looking up her skirt in the original. I I count maybe a dozen at least. He hypersexualizes Wonder Woman. She's she in the in the Justice League Whedon version, she is, you know, she's even at one point massaging Bruce's shoulders. You know, to yeah, make him feel better. That. Yeah. And the other thing, Bruce, Bruce in the Whedon version has he's like obsessed with Asian culture in ways that is like fetishistic. Like yeah. in, in his airplane, uh, you know, you've got all these suits from like Japan and like stuff like that. But it's like very like the last creepy, weird. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, it's exactly that. Okay, so okay, so that we didn't like. I I I teach Justice League because it's so offensive. Okay, the only the only Vic Stone moment is the moment really when Wonder Woman goes to find him, and of course he's part of he's like part of like street urban. You know, when you all know what that is code for. Yeah, black exactly. black and brown people. Yeah. So I love that Snyder gives all that some space and some breathing room. You don't have the same kind of hypersexualizing of Wonder Woman in a pretty deliberate way. And she's 
like she's a research scholar. So I love that in the Snyder. On the on the flip side, I it's bloated, guys. It is it is bloated, you know. And you'll see Walter yeah. when you're oh, when you're working man. through it. And and in the end, it's still the white bro dude saviors. Yeah. It is. Yep. Yep. I I I was watching one of your videos. And it's like, and it hit right on the nail on the head for me, at least when I first saw the, the first Justice League one and, and Superman is like this and all the people in Tijuana just kind of worshiping. I'm like, oh, come on. Look, so last episode, I told uh, Walter I wouldn't watch it uh-huh. because I felt that if the MCU can do it in two, why does he need four? And I'm kind of, mm-hmm. and, and I need a reason to go back. But I did say, Flash is going to bring me back because mm-hmm. Flash is going to be I, I, the character was well thought out, period. OK, out of all of them, you get he got enough screen time. That this time was even better. So Lucia, my wife, was watching it. And so I've kind of begrudging him like, no, I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to do some work. I'm going to. Jo- but obviously you get pulled in because you want to tear it apart. Right. That's kind of where my head was. But. Much better than the Whedon version. Professor Hitter, you're right on there, man. Wonder Woman turned out like a badass. Like I was like, wow, this Wonder Woman is a badass. This is this is way better than what she's been doing even on her solo films. Like she is a badass character in this. Like you talked about, she didn't. She drove the narrative, not just being a a, a piece to move around the chessboard, just to kind of get get her on the poster. She did more for it, and she brought Vic in. And being not just, oh, please come save me. No, hey, we need you. She talked straight to this guy. Bruce didn't come off as an as much of an asshole as, as the first one. And he seemed a lot more caring. Like his guard was more much more down than the original film, the Whedon one. But I agree. So- Four hours, not necessary. There was stuff in there at this point. He's like, screw it. I'm going to throw everything I got in this thing. And it was <laughs> unnecessary. And we're like... I don't need 20 minutes of this long shot of, of the, uh, it's just, it was too much going on. That wasn't necessary. Maybe two and a half. You and know? I'll, and I'll, and I'll say one final thing. Why is it that we got, we got our like kick-ass Polynesian Hawaiian mm-hmm. motherfucking like Aquaman doing yeah. the business and but he's stuck in freaking Iceland with all these like washed out white alcoholics. Like, <laughs> dude, let's put him on the surf in Hawaii, man. He should have, been high you know, give him a role in there or something, you know, like, and which is cool. Cause he's going to be black Adam, by the way, if anybody's, uh-huh. yeah. there we go. I'm excited for that. But no, so honestly, much better than Whedon's version, but like he said, I agree with you. It's just too much time. I would have been more impressed if he had. He could have pulled it off, man. He could have pulled it. Off. Even the epilogue was a little much. Um, but I, I like where we're at. I like the fact that we geek out about it. That it's finally out there. And one, I don't know if you guys knew this, and I'll, I'll wrap up here shortly. But now they're calling for the NC seventeen version of Mrs. Doubtfire. It's out there. It exists apparently. The Robin Williams and they, they, there's a cut and there's a cut an NC-17 cut of Mrs. Doubtfire. Who knows? Nowadays, it may happen. <laughs> <laughs> serious. And serious. It's out there. Well, uh, 
Professor, I want to give you a space here, just a moment. And we always, when we have a guest, we try to give them a little moment for themselves to just kind of talk to the audience and just anybody listening that you want to just give some advice about maybe creative. I mean, you've given us tons to talk about and you'll be back, but just a good piece of advice for somebody coming up, a Latinx creator that's just trying to, to get themselves out there. I know you're an author as well. And, and what kind of advice can you give somebody like me, for example, wanting to start, you know, dipping my toe in that, in that realm of writing as far as not, you know, getting weighed down or just any type of advice you can toss out to the audience? You know, there's a lot of cliched kind of responses to that, you know, yeah, don't listen to, you know, someone says, no, don't pay attention, keep going. That's true. But we also need to know um, how important it is to reach out to our peers, our elders, to those who have gone through and have certain experiences that can share kind of open pathways that can share like a map of the, the, the minefields out there. You know, we need, we need to mentor back. We need to mentor forward. We need to role model back, role model forward. We need to create community in and through these connections and networks because we're not going to raise the brown tide solo. I love that. You're right. Thank you. And of course, people can find you online at, is that just your moniker? All is a professor Latinx, uh, Instagram, Facebook. And of course, do you have a Twitter as well? Okay, we got you, you on got Twitter it. as well. And check out his works. And of course, you'll be hearing from him a lot more. Uh, you know, obviously, we'll get you back on. I hope you had a good time. You know, uh, we love talking to you. Likewise. I mean, you know, it doesn't get better than being thrown down with the primos here. So thank you, guys. Oh, oh thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Well, primos, remember, uh, share the episode. Let everybody know where you can find Professor Latinx on YouTube as well. Don't forget about his video podcast out there. And just support each other. Like you said, you can do that here by sharing this episode. Let everybody know where you can find us, Spotify, iTunes, any of your streaming service. Like I said, it's free. All it costs you is to share. Guys, thank you for listening. Cuídense. Adios.